Yo, what's going on guys? It's your boy Entity here, and welcome to episode 9 of the Anipoke Bros Podcast. Also, day 4 of the Pokepod crossover. So of course, I am joined with some Pokepod members, so go ahead and introduce yourself, starting with Age of Trades. Hi everybody, it's Age of Trades here. JPR? Good morning everybody, good morning, it's JPR. And finally, Richie. What's up, what's up y'all, thanks for having me. And then of course, as usual, we have Raph and Sack here being the Adipoke Bros. So, uh, yeah, in today's podcast, we'll be talking about how the anime adapted the game stories from the Evo teams or just any other things we can bring up, such as, for example, with Sun and Moon, we'll be touching on Team Skull here and there because, you know, Gooseboro's involved in the league and all of that. And that's just pretty much the gist of things. Um, that doesn't really need to be a long intro. So how about we get right into this, ladies and gentlemen? Yes. Of course. Yeah. All right, so let's start with uh, the original series, which... The original series only really had some Team Rocket arcs in there. I know there was the SS and arc, if you really want to count that, because of the Team Rocket grunts there, and the uh, Lugia stuff. So, um, let's see. Who do I want to pass this on to first? Uh, Zach, what about you? To start off, I guess, um, you did bring up a good point. I like that you brought up the SSN arc, because for, for one, it was a pretty cool arc. It was just a one-episode thing, but then they kind of stretched it out and made this whole island arc because of the shipwreck, which was cool. So I, I think that was like a, that's a cool thing that the anime did. But compared to the games, like uh, Team Rocket, don't really. I mean, they're there. You know, they're the first evil team. They're pretty basic. Um, but the anime, they just use you know the main trio, Jesse, James, and Meowth, to be annoying. And one thing that is cool though is uh, the whole thing with Giovanni and Mewtwo, which just oh, came yeah. to mind. Yeah. And and the Gen One, the first oh, movie yeah. in Gen One, that was really cool because uh, it kind of expanded what was in the games pretty much. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because it's like nowadays, that's how most people think of Mewtwo. Like a lot of people forget the original game lore where it's like, oh, here's this random group of scientists that made Mewtwo. Like yeah. everyone now kind of associates Team Rocket and Giovanni with Mewtwo. So I think it's like a case of the anime and the movies actually like improving on the game lore and making something more substantial. To be honest, that is actually a very good point, yeah, because literally, <laughs> when I think about that stuff, I do literally think of the, the anime stuff early. Um, yeah, and then, going back to the SSN real quick, yeah, I, uh, I'm i glad I did bring that up. I literally thought of that at the top of my head when doing the intro, because that is honestly one of my favorite arcs in the original series, to be honest, because it's just so funny to me. It, uh, yeah. And that's one thing with the original series as well. It has very random humor, which is probably why I like it. But yeah, yeah, Team Rocket's appearance is there. It was pretty small, but it was at least something. Um, I also do like, I also just thought of this at the top of my head as well. They did get some stuff later down the road as well in other arcs, such as we have them appearing in Sun and Moon, or we have them in um, Black and White during the Metal Wet arc as well, which I really liked. But we'll, we'll get to that stuff later. And then as for the Mewtwo stuff, actually, I think we've all pretty much spoken a lot about the Mewtwo stuff already on our own separate channels and all of that. Um, mm -hmm. very yep. basic stuff. But, uh, the Lugia stuff, I think, is the real meat of the original series here. Um, which I can't really remember that much of the arc, to be honest, but all I do remember is that it was pretty sweet that we at least got something outside of the trio for once back in the day when it did come to that. But, um, anyone else want to say anything else here? Um, I actually watched the Lugia arc not too long ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I, was, oh, I was having a bad day. Yeah, um, and... And I just needed some, uh, one of, I just need to watch one of my favorite arcs. And it really is actually one of my favorite arcs. And it's better than I actually originally thought it was. Um, I know that 
Johto gets a lot of flack, Zach, um, <laughs> for having a lot of filler. But I think this was this was one of the things that saved it. And honestly, I'd, I'd venture to say that I actually liked the Lugia arc a lot better than the Aqua and Magma arc. Um, I mean, you're not wrong there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's just easily better. It's not a hot I, take. <laughs> I I think it had a really good story. It kind of played on your heartstrings a little too. Um, I like that they brought back. I forget what her name was, but she was she had the silver wing. Um, yeah, she appeared mm -hmm. in like a, in an episode, a few episodes oh, yeah, prior. So yeah, cool yeah. That they tied her back. I forgot her name though. Memory's yeah. Yeah. Um, and then how much time they actually spent in the World Islands. Like it was a pretty sizable chunk of season four. I thought. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah. Or season five. One or, one or the other. It, it's a weird transition around that yeah, time. It was a uh, beginning of season five. That's right. That's right. Master Quest had everything good. That's true. Yeah. And of course, Butch and Cassidy were in it, oh, which I loved. I always love the episodes <laughs> where they bring them back. Oh, yeah. Because it really makes it, it makes the Rocket universe like it, it, it seem much bigger. Whereas they weren't in the, um, the St. Anne episodes. I was just going to say that I thought it was cool how back in like the Kanto arc, like in the SSN and uh, like the first time Butch and Cassidy showed up, it was kind of portrayed in a way that Jesse James and Meowth were like somewhat important grunts, basically. And then you get all the way to the Lugia arc and they're having to sneak into their <laughs> own base because they don't want them to be there. So it's like, it kind of shows just how far they had fallen from grace in the time. Because like when Team Rocket was first introduced in Kanto, like, they were somewhat serious. You look at their debut episode in, like, episode two, and you're like, whoa, these guys are actually somewhat kind of threatening. They are not the Team Rocket that we know today. They're, they're actually closer to the Best Wishes Team Rocket, like, their very first appearance. Yeah, the one's a poster. Yeah, and then yeah. you, you get into the, mm -hmm. the Lugia arc, and it's just so funny seeing them having to sneak into their own hideout. And they're, they're having to wear, like, the regular grunt hats and the, the black suits and stuff, and they're like, oh, I hate this. It's it's really funny. I enjoyed the part of the Lugia arc. I, I, I love how, how mad uh, Jessie gets at Cassidy when she's like, well, bring me some little fishy crackers. And then Jessie's like, how dare she order me around like that? Uh, That's funny. You know, it actually funny. reminds me, um, the episode, this was later in Johto as well, the episode where they introduced Delibird and it's like apparently Team Rocket, they're they're they got kicked out of the team or like they're their license to be part of the team expired, so they had to rejoin the team or oh, something yeah. like that. That's, that's, that's <laughs> that episode one of was my, hilarious. One of my favorite Johto episodes. That's, that's really also funny. one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Um, this kind of like relates to what you said a little bit earlier about uh, the Team Rocket universe, Polly. That something I think the original series does really well is like expand on the actual team of Team Rocket. Because after um, the original series, it's basically just Jesse James, Meowth, Giovanni in the background, and then like the basic Team Rocket grunts. But what I really like is we get all these different admins and these different higher ups before yeah. Giovanni. Like, mm -hmm. kind of relating back to um, something we we should mention as well the. Um, the Lake of Rage arc with Lance and mm -hmm. Shiny oh, Gyarados. True. There was like this other part of Team Rocket that was like a lot more serious than like the, even the ones from the Lugia arc, in my opinion, with Professor mm -hmm. Namba, because he's kind of a clown, let's be honest. He got tackled yeah. by Ash. <laughs> so it was really cool how like we would get these different members of Team Rocket. That it was just really cool. And even like relating to the, the Chronicle special with the Legend of Thunder, there was like was these other Team Rocket up. members. Yeah. Like there were so many Team Rocket elite members which is pretty cool it's not yeah. just jesse and james they're pretty much like you said jpr they're kind of like the runs of the litter pretty much <laughs> compared to everyone else i think it's somewhat interesting though how they introduced i think this guy he was professor sebastian was was that yeah. his name yeah. yeah so professor sebastian like they introduced him and dr namba and all those guys and 
it's like, why didn't they use the the people from the games who were already... I guess Archer didn't have a name yet. So maybe this was supposed to be Archer in the anime. I have no clue. But I, I just thought that just now. I was like, oh, wait, Mar- Archer wasn't actually like a character in Gold and Silver. He was just Rocket Executive, I think, was his title in Gold and Silver games. So I guess I understand why Archer isn't here, why it's Professor Sebastian instead. Um, so that's fine. Yeah, the other three, too. And, and also Silver... But, you know, yeah. handle well, it's, it's funny because, like, we have characters like Silver and um, Wally who kind of get, like, counterparts later down the road. Like, I think I always thought of, like, Shota slash Sawyer as kind of like a Wally-esque yeah. character. Yeah, and then, definitely. like, obvious, obviously everyone says that Paul is Silver. It seems like there's a lot of parallels between them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I, I just thought of another Team Rocket kind of elitist at the top of my head as well and i was i think it was from movie four the main villain was a team rocket it uh, was the iron master oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah i just followed that oh and even and, was it and, and domino yeah oh domino was well for domino the yeah yeah mm-hmm. the fifth movie i forgot their name the two yeah. oh, annie, annie, and oakley. annie and oakley there we go <laughs> but it's dub only they weren't team rocket in the japanese version my, my team oh, rocket Oh, yeah. wow. That was, that was one of the strange edits that that movie got. That movie had a lot of really weird dub edits. Like, they cut out the prologue that, like, explained the origins of Latios and Latios, and then they were like, oh, these guys have to be part of Team Rocket for some reason. So, I don't huh. know. That's interesting. Well, Pokemon dub, ladies and gentlemen. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think, I think it's just because that was back in the day where it was like, if you're a bad guy, you have to be part of Team Rocket mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And they kind of dropped that going into... Uh, the Hoenn region, because they were like, oh, well, Team Rock isn't that big anymore. Yeah, they had new evil teams in the games instead of using the same one. Um, That's a pretty awesome segue, by the way. That is! (laughs) (laughs) We might as well talk about Team Agma. Fuck! I I said that so wrong. (laughs) Team Magma and Aqua now, then. Um, I mean, I'll go first. Mm. I I don't remember that much of it, because the fan generation is pretty forgettable to me, which is why I need to rewatch it to make sure I get, you know, a better memory on it. But there is at least two things I remember from this arc. And that is Pikachu getting controlled by one of the orbs and Lance yeah, yeah. also making an appearance as well, which I, I just want to say straight away, when it comes to the orb stuff, I didn't really like that because already in the original series, we had quite a few plots already where Pikachu got uh, taken over by some kind of power or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like the Hypnones. And yeah, this would not be the first or last time that we would see that. Exactly. Yeah, it just, Bro, it just even in the same series, Pikachu turns evil like a good three times. That's true. Yes, well. Yeah. Well, I, I think they do it again in the in episode N later on, which I, I imagine we'll eventually talk about. Oh yeah, but of course. They, yeah. they do it in XY with Malamar. Uh, they actually did in the previous in the Lugia arc. They did with Pikachu, didn't he? Like they had like that rage device that Professor. Oh Man my god! Oh. So, yeah. Literally, they do it like almost every villain arc and. It, after like the first time, I was like, "Please don't do this again." Don't do it again. <laughs> and they did it again. Exactly. <laughs> so that's that's exactly why I don't like it because it's it's just so repetitive and yeah. um. And it's it's such a weird sponge of time because like that whole Pikachu thing takes up like such a big chunk of the does, magma yeah. Yeah. stuff. And it's I, like, why didn't we get an explanation for like where Kyogre and Groudon came from instead? And, you know what? I we hate that this so in. much. I guess was that was that the first primal reversion? Is that what happened to Pikachu? <laughs> 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 Just reverted to his to his 
animal instincts, I guess. I have no clue what they're going for there. Yeah. And it took away from the main characters, too. Like, May and Max barely did anything. I don't think everyone was sidelined. Yeah. yeah. Even Ash was technically sidelined because he was like captured and then he was just with Pikachu and then Lance saves him, but he's still like, oh, Pikachu's evil. What do I do? Like, Lance was pretty much the star when you think about it, which is weird because it's like, it's not even his generation. Yeah. Like, where was Wallace and freaking Steven, bro? Yeah, I mean, I like Lance, but yeah. like, huh? We were, we were talking about it earlier before you guys came in. We were like, you know, I, I think the reason why the XY writers didn't remember who Steven was is because they probably went back and they watched just those two episodes from AG oh. and said, oh, Steven wasn't here. It was just Lance. I guess he never appeared. And then they just wrote him into XY and Ash never recognized him in XY. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, completely new get up. I mean, what can I say? Yeah. Yeah, it's just another thing as well. Like Team Magma and Team Aqua how they were in the series as well. Like they were introduced in which episode was it? Like 17, the second episode. I, think it was. I mean, I remember Zach m mentioned this in his AG review. How it's like it's so strange because there was so yeah. much build up with Team Magma and Team Aqua, and then it just kind of goes nowhere. Like it's like, oh, we have Groudon Kyogre now out of absolutely nowhere, and it's like, where where did this come from? But I just wanted to say how like the whole arc itself was a bit of a mishap compared to how we could have seen maybe like a main character instead of Pikachu just for shadow that spot instead. Hmm. Like, yeah, like something okay. it's okay. like for one i like the way they introduce them because obviously we have our main evil team which is team rocket and we've known them for like the first five years and they're goofy you don't really take them seriously they always get their butts kicked by ash but then in having the second episode come face to face with another evil team they're like way more serious they have like these hound hours no they have the hound dooms that are really menacing and team rocket are scared of them it's like oh like it makes them like an actual threat and you're interested but then like like they don't do anything and when they do show up it's very boring and vague and you don't know what the hell is going on like you know if you play the games obviously but even still like i, I played the games and I, when i was doing my rewatch and i got to these parts i'm like bro if i didn't play the games i would not know what the heck they're talking about like I, i'm legit lost and then boom Kyogre yeah, and Groudon out of like freaking an, nowhere. It's like an over-reliance in the games, basically. Like, the games are telling the story for you, so the anime doesn't have to. Yeah. And, uh, like, I all you know there's... is that they're looking for ruins, that's it. Yeah. Wasn't there this one episode where, like, this one uh, Team Magma guy showed up and, like, tried to steal the, the ribbon cup from oh the Grand Festival or something? God. That, that was stupid. stupid. Literally, what Brody. was the purpose of that? <laughs> Literally, what was the purpose? <laughs> He wasn't even part of, like, Team Magma anymore at that point. Like, he shows up. His first appearance was in the Weather Institute episode. And he just comes out of freaking nowhere because you don't really expect him. Because it's like Team Aqua are part of that episode. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, he was Team Magma all along. And then he shows up again. But this is after the Team Aqua and Magma arc with Kyogre and Groudon. So the team is disbanded. He's just a thief now. And that's the second appearance. And then he tries to steal the Ribbon Cup. He fails. And then he runs away. But you never see him ever again. The most random thing ever. Why include this character? It was so weird. Oh my god. How about uh, Archie Maxi? What do you guys think? Oh, of that's that? true. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gener generic as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that's just a man. They weren't. They weren't great in the original Ruby and Sapphire games either. That's the thing. Like, I think Oras is what carried yeah. uh, Maxi and Archie because like, they actually yeah, kind of separated the characters a bit. But right. I mean, in the anime, they're just as flat as they were in the games. So it's like I don't, I don't really fault them on that front. Yeah, I think the problem is also is that they're introduced literally in the last two episodes of Team Aqua and Magma. So that's literally the end, and that's where you meet them. So once that's over, that's it. They only have two episodes, literally. Yeah, no more room for characterization. Yeah. And Maxi yes, gets taken only... over as well, so it's like, it's not even himself for like half of it anyways. 
<laughs> I just think the most disappointing thing is that AG was so good, and this was probably the worst part of it. Oh, it was super bad. Not only were they like... generic as hell, but the, out of nowhere. By the way, we got the legendaries. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like part of the reason why AG is forgettable is because the evil team is, is forgettable in and of itself. Like, yeah, Ash is doing the gyms, Maze doing contests, but, like, everyone always also pays attention to the main plot and the evil team. But because that was so bland, it, it, it doesn't stand out compared to everyone else, you know, every other series. Yeah. And honestly, this, this may be a hot take, because I know people love the DP villain arc, which I assume we'll get to in a minute here. But... I maybe maybe it was just AG setting the tone here, but I've I've never really been a fan of when the anime just kind of repeats events from the games. Like we have stuff like Origins and Generations to show us that. I I think the anime could do so much more on its own, like something so much more original. Like the Flare arc in the XY was was so good, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know. Whenever they just redo the same thing from the games, I'm just kind of like, eh. Do we really need that many episodes dedicated to that? Yeah. Let's use that to jump into DP now. Yeah, unless Richie wants to say anything else about... Uh... Nah, I'm waiting for DP. That's all uh, I'm All right, you, you hit us off with DP then, my bro. Well, this is definitely a huge improvement, at least in my opinion, over what we got in Gen 3. Um, so for you Gen 3 fans, I apologize. But first of all, with the whole, I mean, obviously Team Galactic were introduced first. I believe that they were going through like some sort of unknown temple, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, just to, so they yeah. incorporated the Salacion ruins. Yeah, the Salacion ruins, just to uh, grab some sort of mysterious thing, which turns out to be very essential to the whole plot and the whole damn region, quite frankly. And then I think afterwards, I think it was another random appearance. And then we got to Cyrus. But the thing is, we weren't introduced to Cyrus right away as an evil team leader. Oh, no, no, no. Cyrus, as in, like, just himself. Mm-hmm. And kind of like the thing, the, the, the thing I liked about the Cyrus thing real quick is that they didn't tell you right away, oh, this man's the, the evil team leader. Now, granted, if you played the games, you would have already known that. But if you only watch the anime, I, I really appreciate the buildup where they didn't just tell you right away. And they didn't wait until the end of the episode to tell you that. Oh, no, they waited until, like, because it was a two-parter at the, um, at the little museum with uh, Cynthia and her grandmother. So I really appreciated the fact that they had enough patience to just wait until the end of the episode and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's the evil team leader. Even though they kind of made it obvious near the end, um, but I appreciate the fact that they kind of held on to it quite a bit. Um, I mean, I'll talk more about the Galactic stuff later, uh, but I just wanted to give like a shout out to how they handled the whole Cyrus thing. I think, honestly, I think this is kind of like the way that they should handle um, evil team leaders in, in a certain way. I think the way they did Cyrus was um, not necessarily incredible, but it was definitely a lot better, and it seemed to be one of the best things that they could have done for an evil team leader in the series, without a, without a doubt. Yeah, like, I feel like the way they handled Cyrus is almost kind of like how they handled Lysander. It's like, if you play the games, obviously, you know they're the bad guy, but they introduce him as, like, a neutral character, and it's like, oh, it's a twist. If you don't know, it's a twist when you find out they're actually bad, which is cool. Mm. I guess I kind of gave a preview of it earlier, and uh, while it's true that I don't like how predictable this arc is, because, like, if you've played the games, you know exactly where everything is going to happen. You know where Team Galactic is going to show up you know how the final confrontation is going to go down. And I will say it is still immensely better than what they did in Gen 3, what they did in AG. Um, I guess I guess the biggest downfall of this arc, though, other than the predictability, in my opinion, would just be that the buildup, while it does definitely mean something here, unlike in AG, mm-hmm. it's 
it's so spaced out and this isn't really this arc's fault it's more just this the the dp anime's fault in general because like the dp anime is it has like it's it, it's infamous for like that very slow pacing very stretched out with a lot of filler in between and it's like it's one thing if you're binging the episodes, but if you're watching them, like, on a week-to-week basis, like, when they were first coming out, it's like, oh, remember that Spear Key thing that they got three years ago in the Salacion Ruins? Okay, that's relevant again now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's, point. That, that is the main thing, how it's like, I remember there were just points I'd watch the Galactic Arc like, as a kid, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I almost forgot that happened because it was so long ago. Hmm. Yeah. I have to say, though, I really like the addition of, of Hunter J. Um, oh, it definitely. Just, it's definitely, this felt like, it was the first time this actually felt like a villain arc to me. Um, and I also really like how not only Ash, Dawn, and Brock were, were in, really involved in the plot, but also Cynthia, um, Professor Rowan, Gary, you know, kind of how I said in, in Zach's DP review. Um, it was kind of almost like a diet Team Flair arc. <laughs> Yeah, it was really it was handled really well in my opinion. And I like how even though John you said you you don't like how it's unpredictable and I can see that aspect, they also did do a few things. Like Richie yeah. said, um like introduce Cyrus as kind of like a, a, a quote unquote good guy. But also like for me the best the, part the best part was definitely the late guardians with uh yeah, with yeah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, like least... something completely original, which was yeah. Cool. Even though this arc was like fairly predictable, if you'd played the games, like at least the anime did something to make it its own and made it work, unlike an AG. Um, I remember this. This arc was the first villain arc I grew up with because Diamond and Pearl was my first series. And uh, because I was a kid as well, when I played the Pokemon games, I clicked A. I skipped all the dialogue, so I had no <laughs> idea. Like and he was like, "Man, this story sucks." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't know what. Team Galactic's whole goal was, I was just like, oh, this is cool, there's a Geratina here, and the, we're in this weird world and all of that. But getting to see it play out in the anime where I'm actually paying attention to it on TV, that's when I started to uh, appreciate the story they were telling there. So pretty much the anime was my first experience. And um, whereas I didn't know Cyrus was the bad guy, I still did appreciate that twist about Richie was going on. I know I found that very... Uh, appealing when I was a kid. Um, yeah, there, there was this whole stuff about red chains and all of that. And I, I, I don't know if that was ever mentioned in the game, but I was just so stunned when I first saw that in a Team Galactic arc as well. Um, and how the late Guardians... Well, considering, considering I had the lovely pleasure... Not really. Um, the lovely pleasure to play Diamond. Um, and, I, and Platinum was my first ever game. I can tell you for a fact that it, you know, it kind of was mentioned um but the difference is that platinum had more of a major emphasis on it because in diamond there was sort of a mention of it but they didn't put that much emphasis on it because in diamond and pearl you just basically released them away the way guardians from the uh for the from the captive space within the headquarters but in platinum that is where they really did mention the the red chain and that was where Uh, the whole focus was so I would say that they kind of just took from Platinum's adaptation to the Red Chain, where it was definitely major emphasis, because there's a part there's a part in Spear Pearl where they just went above the clouds and they just go in circles until you know who shows up. But but yeah, I would say Platinum did was their basis for the Red Chain as far as like their involvement and how significant it was. Um, yeah, I also kind of liked how like when they got summoned, it was like this kind of 
weird CG effect. It's like they were slowly coming into like the real world or their reality, but it wasn't really there yet, which is a nice oh, detail. That was, and then once, like, you know, the red chain connects, then it's like they actually materialize and they're actually physically there. You know, that was a nice cool thing. You know, if if you're a kid the, for the first time seeing that, you're probably you're probably thinking, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> Yo, why like, is this cartoon in 3D now? Like, like I was like, I was so confused on the whole point of it, and but it wasn't until I got older where I was just like, oh, so that's what? Okay, that makes sense now. So, I, but no, I do agree. It was a nice, it was a nice touch because normally they you, they would just appear at first thing, but no, they kind of took their time with it, which I guess I, I I appreciate. The reason I say that is because I mean, obviously they saw the film at the time with the whole back and forth fighting with the commanders and stuff, which. Obviously, they won because I mean, if that was if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't even be in that position in at the arc. So, oh, speaking of like the commanders, I did really like the characterization in this uh, yeah. arc. Definitely better than I feel. Uh, I feel the games did them because I I was just invested in them. And, and speaking of that as well, like one thing I always remember about the Team Galactic arc for some reason is just the banter between Team Rocket and Team Galactic as well. I always found it funny. Team Rocket being like fashion police to Team Galactic because they just hated the way they dressed and all of that. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, fa- the, yeah. The, they called them the fashion, the fashion freaks. freaks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's so only fun. fun to see how Jesse James and Meowth are like relatively they're good guys compared to every other evil team even compared to the other team rocket guys like we were talking about earlier how they had to sneak into their own base and stuff like there are a lot of you realize that aside from giovanni they basically dislike every other person that's a part of team rocket <laughs> which is really yeah. funny yeah and then you get pretty ironic own, yeah and, and then you the same thing with the other teams and basically any other villain that shows up in the show um yeah it was interesting how they helped out looker Oh, sorry. Oh, oh yeah, yeah Luca. They, 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 the real literally, They literally become like part of the police force at the end, like pseudo, which is really funny, actually. Yeah, and it's also cool how they kind of bring that back for the best wishes arc with uh, Team Plasma. We, even though it's kind of jumping ahead a bit, but it's like I guess even though Team Rocket did go with the, um through that shift and they changed their plot, I guess the only good thing to come from that is that their relationship still stays intact, which is pretty cool. And it started from here in Diamond and Pearl. That was yeah. certainly the best part of episode end was that Looker showed up and he was like, oh, hey, I remember Team Rocket. Because like, I was really worried that they weren't going to do anything with that. But they proved me wrong. Now, that's how you handle callbacks, bitches. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, Raph, uh, anything you want to like lastly say about the Team Galactic? Or... Nah, it's so good, so good. Oh, okay, well, jumping into black and white then. Yeah, oh, pretty no, much this. I... We were complaining about it earlier. Pretty much the whole point of the Team Plasma Rock is <laughs> controlling Pokemon using some kind of ray. And yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. It's, it's uh, so disappointing. Because in the, what the fuck? <laughs> in the game's Team Plasma is the most interesting team. Can I be last to talk about this, by the way? Black and White are my favorite <laughs> games. And I love N, and I love Team Plasma, and I love Calrus and Getsis. And all of them just feel so watered down here like and and still is like the only one who was like a little bit of a semblance of his original self but even then they kind of like tone ends whole thing yeah. with, the, with the truth and ideals down they they, they they water him down quite a bit he's still like probably the most interesting character in the arc but like compared to the to himself in the games he's not nearly as interesting in my opinion and then he's end light yeah, yeah he's he's end light basically <laughs> and then and then uh Chorus, god Chorus, they absolutely ruined uh, K- Chorus was 
you know, in, in the games, he's just a scientist. Like, he's only part of Team Plasma because they're, like, funding his research, basically. And, like, he's just doing it out of obligation. And then in the, in the anime, he's just like, oh, I'm going to make the Pokemon go bad. Ha-ha. And it's like, okay, this guy is not interesting in the slightest. And again, it's a repeat of the Pikachu gets controlled thing. And I think they do that, like, three times in this arc. They do it a lot. Yeah, they do. Like, yeah. It's like, it's one thing if you do it, like, once every series. That's already enough, in my opinion. But then you do it, like, three times in the span of, like, 15 episodes. And I'm oh like, okay, God. okay, time out, time out. It this gets annoying fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, uh, each episode was like, oh, the Pokemon managed to break free from our control here. We're going to approve it in the next episode. And then they do. It lasts a little bit longer. But then in the next episode... They improved it even more, and it's just, it just got repetitive fast as well because of that. Um, I think this is that they had to use Black 2, White 2 Team Plasma yeah. as a base. Black 2, White 2 Team Plasma, while they're still interesting, they're definitely not in that same tier as Black 1, White 1 Team Plasma, which is about like liberating the Pokemon and doing what's morally right because they're following N. Whereas Black 2, White 2 Team Plasma is just bad. Uh, <laughs> they're straight up bad people following Getsus, and so... Yeah. Yes, they couldn't do as much there. Could have made Calrus more interesting. Could have made N a lot more interesting. And I think that just holds the whole arc back, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like what makes Black Two and White Two Team Plasma good is the fact that they came from an original Team Plasma because it's not in the anime. They're yeah. just kind of basic bad guys. They might as well just be yeah. Team Rocket again, like another mm-hmm. Team Rocket. It's just controlling Pokemon. To take over the world, it's like, bro, it's, it's yeah. so basic. And uh. it's at least what made the the Black Two Y Two Team Plasma interesting in the games was they had that conflict with the X Team Plasma, and you could tell that it was like kind of like a hard thing for them to fight their former comrades. But you don't have that context in the anime. You never even see the original Team Plasma. So I, also, um, the Ninja dudes never show up. The Shadow Triad. They're not. They're not in this arc. The, the sages aren't in this arc. There's so many important characters from Black and White that just never even see the light of day here. At least yeah. Charizard's back and oh, irrelevant Charizard. for like one episode. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't even handle that shit right. What the fuck? Charizard versus Restroom, Am I right? I will say one thing because I've I haven't seen episode N. Like episode N is the only villain arc in the show that I have Good. seen, and. I haven't played Black and White yet. For somebody who hadn't played the games, I know they're good. I know what happens. It didn't make me, as a, as a sole anime watcher at the time, excited. Like, there really was And I know that things got messed up because of the earthquake. But yeah. still. Um, I will say, though, um, I was very disappointed, obviously, at the uh, F in the chat for the Team Plasma versus Team Rocket arc. I was so disappointed. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that uh, kind of going on a tangent with Operation Tempest, though, I think, honestly, that was they salvaged it with that. Like, I didn't think it was a bad arc. That was the better oh, was awesome. Black and White. Yeah. Yeah. The highlight of Black and White. <laughs> it, it might be just me, but my favorite uh, Team Rocket arc in Black and White was actually the Battle Subway arc. I really oh, liked the whole legit. thing. Yeah, I that love that really cool. so that's, that's a cold second for me. Yeah, like, Meowth is still, uh, and uh, was back then and still to this day, actually, now that I think about it. One of my favorite Pokemon anime characters. I um, I loved him so much. So to see him 
finally joined Ash. And bear in mind, I hadn't watched any previous series episodes. I had only grown up with Diamond and Pearl on Black and White at the time. But to see him, like, go on the good side with Ash and Iris and Silent, as a kid, I generally believed him. And, like, when I saw that this was a part of, a part of the whole <laughs> scheme, it actually really hurt me. But at the same time, I was like, it may hurt, but this is also really cool. Um, yeah. The backstab felt genuine as well. Like, Ash did feel hurt, especially the Pokemon as well. Like, Pikachu... Pikachu um, was going off. <laughs> yeah, he got really angry, yeah. And then, what I like the most as well is, like... And this is in Decalot Islands, and it's an episode probably no one will remember. Uh-huh. But it's, like, the Honey episode. Like, the second episode uh-huh. of Decalot <laughs> Islands. Um, Meowth tries to trick Axew, Oshawa, and Pikachu into, you know, being nice to them. But Oshawa and Axew being, you know, the dummies they are, are easily persuaded a pikachu <laughs> it just obviously is with a brain knowing what happened earlier on in the series just doesn't trust me out and i really appreciate that too but uh, mm-hmm. operation tempest definitely the highlight of black and white in my opinion um i love how they focused on Malawetta as well because i remember like exploring the temple it had uh, and i was intrigued with the mystery and to get it expanded on in the animator was uh, was very cool and to see you know Melowet to hold a bond with Ash. It was very wholesome. Very, very wholesome. Probably up there with, like, Victini from the movies in terms of wholesomeness. Um, and then, yeah, Team Rocket Grunts appeared as well. And then Giovanni appeared. And then they brought back the freaking Weather Trio as well. Um, which the... I found that really uh, exceptional as well at the time because uh, I did kind of enjoy the uh, original arc for them as well, and they brought them back in their new forms as well to promote Black and White too. So I found that really cool. Uh, the only downside yeah. would just pretty much be, you know, um, Giovanni having his battle with Ash for ten seconds because that was really hyped up in the community back in the day. I remember that only for it to be one of the biggest <laughs> downfalls ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I was disappointed though was, and this is obviously we're going to get into the flare arc soon was that it didn't seem very, like, globally threatening. Like, it was just oh, kind no. of these characters. It's just like, that. where you saw the civilians and the Team Flare arc, like, feeling scared and, and, and threatened. And um, I feel like what had to do with that, though, is because, like, they were on a freaking... They were in the middle of the ocean, so it's like... Yeah. It didn't really affect anyone. Like, they were kind of, like, starting to freeze the world in a way, which, like, maybe is a reference to Black Twin White Two Team Plasma, but, like, it barely reaches the people because they're just so mm-hmm. isolated, which I, I understand that point, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so, like, um, I guess one final thought I have about, like, a Team Plasma, and this relates to Team Rocket as well, is, like, all right, yeah, the original Team Rocket versus Team Plasma got canceled, and that definitely affected, like, the entire series, but I don't like that people use that as an excuse to be like, oh, you got to give Team Plasma and Black and White some slack, because no, because no. Team Rocket's original plan got no. canceled, but Operation Tempest came out awesome and that was years later why couldn't yeah. team plasma what well, that had more time get the same <sighs> no, treatment they just they, they just got lazy let's be honest because look at how awesome team rocket was handled well they also have no after why they had they had what like 32 episodes to work with after the Unova league ended so from Something yeah like bw 108 to bw 140 and yeah it's like why did they have to have the Decalore Islands there? They could have actually made an attempt to have the Team Plasma arc be pretty good. But they were like, let's just shorten it and have half the episodes be filler episodes. That was such a strange decision. Uh, 
Well, Richie, you want to finally go with your rant? Uh, uh, I'll try to make the. I'll try and make this quick so we can go to uh -oh. Oh, Holy <laughs> shit! All right, here's the best way I could put it. I was thinking about this near the end. If I if I told you in 2010. And literally, this was around the time where the Iris and Simon poster got revealed, and this was before we knew what Ash worked on. Get best wishes. If I told you right then and there that hey, best wishes is coming, but here's the thing: Team Paz was in it, but they're not. But they're not actually the real fucking villains. And, and you, and you probably look at me like I was crazy. You probably sent me to the funny Lulu. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what this is. Like, like I'm sorry, Team Paz, but I'm sorry that your 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 you're, you know your first actual appearance in that. Team Rocket versus Team Plasma are got delayed and all. Like, I mean, it's unfortunate, but the way that you were handled afterwards was complete utter dog shit. Like, I think this, I think this, this was just bad. This was just bad. And then, and they salvaged it with Team Rocket. Thank, thank God, which is ironic because they really needed that for for their characters. And I know, you know, there people are like, oh, Best Wishes Team Rocket was eh. But no, I, I, I definitely enjoyed Best Wishes Team Rocket. They definitely handled them in a way that was a lot more interesting, and it, and it was actually to be quite frank, <clears throat> a lot more refreshing, because whenever the Team Rocket arcs would pop up, they were always interesting to see. You, you would always be curious on what they would do next. I mean, sure, some of the things were obvious, but at the very least, wait until you know, the moment of the moment of which their plot you know, goes on the belt, that's what it made it, made it more interesting. I didn't really feel that way with them before because they were becoming stale. Um, so the Team Rocket arcs definitely saved um, the gen Generation 5 evil teams, to be quite frank, because Team Plasma afterwards didn't really do themselves any favors. I mean, M was pretty... M was pretty much the person I expected to uh, to be. Um, Coralis was, eh, not really that special. I mean, I expected him to be this nerdy-looking dude um, to improve on the sciences and Mind control Pokemon. Ugh. I mean, have we been haven't we not been through that before? But gets us though. Holy shit. First of all, if if that isn't the definition of backseat gamer, I don't know what is because that that man right there did what exactly? Nothing. He, he did nothing. nothing. <laughs> he did fucking nothing. Like what? I mean, all he did all you know what he did? I could just tell you right now. I could tell you right now. All he did was all right, report back to me. We must get the right. <laughs> That's about it. That's all he did. And, and and then, of course, he shows up at the, the ruins to do the whole ceremony thing, which is the only good thing he actually did. I can literally, I just named you, I just named you, gets us his involvement in less, in less than a sentence. <laughs> if I'm able to do that in less than a sentence with fucking gets us, a man who's supposed to be pretty fucking evil and a man that's supposed to be that threatening. Now, listen, I understand that, you know, you can't bring over the oh, he almost killed you, Black 2, White 2, of Kiram. That I understand. But what I don't understand is that you, you relegate this badass-looking villain with an interesting backstory into what he is in, in the anime? Yeah, go fucking next. Let's go to Gen 6. Stupid, <laughs> <laughs> man. Um, so, yeah, uh, but overall, I do think that the Team Rocket stuff definitely saved this generation, the anime, definitely. as far as, like, their arcs. Operation Tempest was probably the best thing to come out of it. Um, and not that the other arcs were bad, but Operation Tempest was definitely um, interesting buildup, and it definitely had not necessarily a satisfying conclusion. Like I'm not saying the conclusion was bad, but it was definitely one of the best things we could have gotten from the series, especially yeah. when you know certain things of mediocrity and some unpredictability, which turned out to be pretty eh, um, 
was like a very common theme for the generation, which is unfortunate. That's it for me. I mean, understandable. I can see why you'd uh, want to let all of that out. But let's now speak about something that I believe wasn't messed up badly. And that was uh, Generation 6, uh, 6's uh, Team Flare arc. Which, uh, Raph, I'll let you speak about this first because, Aww. you know, one of the main people in that arc owns a Charizard. So go ahead, bro. Oh, yeah, Reposner Boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Team Flare arc. The best thing that was probably going to be the build-up for it, and we got to see a great insight from the Mega Evolution specials for the anime side. You know, we got introduced to Alan, who's endorsed by Lysandra, and, you know, just doing all of this malicious intent without him being oblivious to it and realizing what he's doing, trying to find out his true purpose, if he wants to become the strongest or protect for those that he loves. And the transition, like I mentioned this actually um, in Zach's review, um, of course, it's going to be coming out later than the sex review, so no spoilers for that. But it's just the whole transition of how the Mega Evolution specials played a great part into the build-up of the Team Flare arc. Like you guys were mentioning as well, how it was broadcast all over Kalos, and, you know, everyone was so scared to see what was going to happen to their homes, and how Lissandra wanted to just build a new world using Zygarde to take over the whole region, and... It was a proper lunatic, a proper lunatic. And that is what we needed to see from, quote, unquote, one of, well, I'm trying my best not to be biased here, but one of the best series in the Pokemon anime. And compared to the game's counterpart, I liked how everyone had their own purpose to fill in for it as well. Like, we saw what happened with Serena when she was looking after Marin and they wanted to get Chespi. We mm. saw Ash with Alana and all of the gym leaders taking part in the crisis as well against the Megalith. But yeah, I think the one thing to take away from that arc as well was how there was a lot of little details that built up the bigger picture. And yeah. that's why I enjoyed it a lot. What about mm. you guys? Oh, yeah, the Mega Evolution specials, they definitely helped towards that. You see, mm. one thing I, I've come across in the community, though, I've seen some XY stands who say, oh, I love the Team Flare rock, but then, but then they say... Where did this giant rock come from? I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> because of the Mega Evolution <laughs> yeah, special. Yeah, this is the thing. If they, don't, if they didn't follow the Mega Evolution acts, they're, gonna, they're not going to be familiar with what happened. And that's what that's like what I was saying. Everything, like, it's like all of the pieces of the puzzles came together for that final outcome. Because we obviously saw what happened with, um, quote-unquote, The Rock, as it's called, with Rayquaza, or Rayquaza, however you guys would like to pronounce it. And, you know... Lissandra saying, oh, I'm just going to look after the rock for you guys. You know, I'm just going to analyze what it. What uh, Rayquaza? Rayquaza? You said yeah, it right. That, that, that works. <laughs> so, like, you know, how we wanted to analyze the rock, and yeah. Stephen was like, okay, yeah, you can look after that. We'll keep it in your hands, and then later on for it to be embodied into the Megalith, and, you know, for Chespi to get sucked into it. And then the main objective was to obviously that was just, Chespi. Yeah, that was, just, that was just kind of weird, personally. Not to interrupt you, but that was just no, kind of no, weird, because yeah, it's yeah. like, because yeah. it's like, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, um, you're this man who definitely doesn't look like a, well, first of all, definitely doesn't look evil, but he definitely is the fucking sponsor man, sponsor image of Dorito Chips. I mean, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Take this, take this nice big rock back to your region so you can research it so you can use it for later. Well, mm. in the come end, on, Steven. A better job of showing that Lysander's kind of like the Elon Musk of the Pokemon. Yeah. Like, he's a well-known person. People trust him because he's made like all this good technology. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it was just like, well, who better than him to to look over it? Because like Steven's not a a scientist. I, mean, I guess I don't know. Mister Stone is his dad, but 
was that ever a, a thing in the anime? I don't I don't know if it was. It was, but uh, Steven was forgettable. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> not... <laughs> yeah even that one too. Max episode where he dropped soda in his Pokenav or something. That's right. That's right. God, freaking um... freaking AG dropping characters all over the place. Oh well, <laughs> but I mean, I think I think it makes sense why he would have possession of the the megalith slash the, the giant rock. I hate calling it the giant rock. It's why I call yeah. it the me- <laughs> so <laughs> I'll call it the megalith. Screw it. Anyway. Um, I, I think the XY arc is, is, is really, really good. Um, not just because of them taking characters from the games who I didn't think were incredibly interesting, like Lysander, and making them into something uh, way more interesting. Because mm-hmm. like, you, you, get, you get a lot more of Lysander's backstory here about how he was like, you know, a very uh, ph- philanthropic person, basically. I hope I said that right. Um, but he was... You know, he was a guy who was trying to help everybody, and you got like a tidbit of that in the games, but I think they did a much better job of showing that here in the anime. And it kind of made you feel for Lysander, made you understand where he was coming from, even though like the entire plot was different from like the whole ultimate weapon thing in XY. It was like still like, oh yeah, I can see where this is going. So they took the characters, they made them better, and they made their own unique story where you didn't know everything was going to happen. Like, you didn't think when XY started and you played the game, she'd be like, there's going to be an arc where Clembot dies. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to yeah. cry about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you stole what I was going to say. There's going to be a robot gym leader who dies, and you're going to cry about it. Like, I, I, <laughs> if you told me that when XY started, I'd be like, yeah, okay, buddy, go jump off a bridge. That's never happening, right? I cried. Damn. I cried multiple times during this arc. Uh, like this, this, is, this is probably like, this made me feel so much. And I know, I know, I say like I love the Galactic arc, but this this is by far my favorite just because of that. And it has so much that I personally look for in a good villain arc. Um, it had that very dystopian feel to it, which makes you feel like like threatening stuff is actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the part and you can't also, say that you know nobody came to help because both the champions were there, <laughs> like yeah. two two champions. Like, yeah, it's not like one of those <laughs> typical things where it's like, oh, why are the ten year olds handling this? Where's the police? Like, no, there's literally two mm-hmm. champions on the scene trying to contain this, and it's still a big deal. Yeah. Mm. Also, one of the best parts was when Bonnie um started singing the song, the squishy song, and oh, then Meyer decided, oh, I lost it. <laughs> yeah, it was just like it's like you mentioned. There's so much going on there. You've got Clement with Clemboy, you've got Bonnie with Squishy, you've got Ash with Greninja, typical, and then you've got Alan trying to picture himself and like get his brain together after finding out what he's just been going through after all this time, thinking he was doing something for the benefit of good because he wanted to show people that he was good, even though he was very much behind closed doors with this character and how he always wanted to show off like as the cool kid and everything, but. Yeah, it was a very, very emotional arc, and it had, a, you know, everyone had their own segment for it. Honestly, I'm amazed that. that every character was able to get so much of their own time, other than maybe Serena. Yeah. I think Serena's uh, the I was only gonna mention her, yeah. Left out. No, she was, uh, she was Marin's well, bodyguard. It's like, it was only five episodes since, like, in that mm. time, every character got to shine, really, which was quite remarkable. Another thing I liked, and they later admitted to remarkable. This, it was it was something that I thought of when I first watched the arc, and then it was later confirmed through like an interview with one of the directors. Uh, but basically, Alon is Anakin Skywalker yeah, from Star yeah. Wars, like his whole yeah. his whole arc basically. And then you know, Lysander's Palpatine. And so when I watched it for the first time, I was like, oh, 
I, I think that's what they're going for. And then when it was confirmed, I was like, yes, oh, I knew it. But, you know, <laughs> really it, cool. so it's not the most incredibly <laughs> original thing, but I still really liked it. You know, it, it's a good it's a good story regardless. So you may as well use it. Mm. Ash actually gets about an evil team leader here for once. He had to use his whole team and like Sander with just two Pokemon almost knocked out all of Ash's Pokemon, <laughs> which is insane. Well, the other great part about that battle is is Ash always plays by the rules. He's always Mr. We gotta do one-on-one. -on -one. We can't do anything crazy. No, this man threw his whole team at him at yeah. one. <laughs> break every rule to save... Yeah, fuck the rules. <laughs> and I was like, that, let's go. That's the kind of Ash Ketchum I want to see Bro. right there. I want to see the Ash too. Yeah, his yeah. Speech, the, the epic Ash speech. Epic mm. speech, and then him just kind of going balls to the wall, basically, and say, I'm going to stop you no matter what. And then we get that really dark scene where Lysander, like, fakes his own death off of the, yeah. the tower. That, that, I was like, whoa, that whoa. Where did so that come So many different emotions. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was insane, and I feel like what really makes it stand out. It's like kind of like you said, John. It's like so it's very different from what happens in the games. And usually, whenever um there's like a main plot with the evil team in the games, and even in the anime, it always happens like around the seventh or eighth gym before the league. But Team Fur doesn't happen until after the league. It's like the first time where it's like it's satisfying because um Tyrone mentioned this in the X Y review, but it's like everyone's fighting at their full strength because what I hate is when they face the evil team. Like Team Aqua and Magma happened before Tate and Liza. And it's like, bro, it would have been so cool if Ash had like a Sceptile by then, his full team here in, in the Team Flare arc. It's at the very end of the series. Like, mm. like you said, Ash is going balls to the walls, using his full team. Yeah, he's holding back. the it's Ash like... Ninja. He has Gudra back. He's got his whole team. Yeah. There. Everyone else is 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 got full power as well. And then you also get random characters like like Blaziken Mask thrown in there as well. So it really True. feels like you know, I, I hate to say everyone is here, like Smash, but you know, everyone is here, but <laughs> everyone, everyone was, was literally there. They, they, they were there. When yeah. Even the rivals playing. were there for a little bit too. Like they were in the background yeah. helping with civilians and stuff. Oh, like everyone yeah. played a part. Like I think the only person who wasn't there was Alexa. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. like the ultimate culmination of what the entire series yeah. was leading to. And when, hey, when hey, Bolt started playing. Oh, so good. Oh yeah. You, you know, oh, I yeah, almost feel like that shot. Mm. Yeah. I almost feel like the the team flare arc was almost like what the team plasma arc was supposed to be because a lot of what happens in the team flare arc in the anime is a lot of the same kind of story beats that happen in the black and white games that we just never got. So all the gym leaders yeah. come and get involved. Yeah. The league gets interrupted by the evil team. This big arc at the end, like it just feels like this is what we were supposed to get. Honestly, but then it's funny because XY yeah. story is flat. But then this one, they nailed it. It's you know, crazy. when you put the opposite of the games, even even a lawn kind of feels like uh, like a mirror of N in a way, and from the games. Oh wow! Least. Yeah, because like, I never he, thought of that. He's deceived by this other guy who's like the higher up, yeah. kind of comes Bruh. to the like, side later on. So yeah, that's that's a great point about how this kind of uh, reflects black and white better than Best Wishes did. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's so much there's so much good stuff about this arc. Oh, so God. much good stuff. <laughs> so much. Like, honestly, like, if you watch the whole arc, the five episodes from start to finish, it's honestly better than almost every single Pokemon movie. Oh, I, I, for sure. I'd go as far as to say it's better than every movie, to be honest. Like, mm -hmm. in terms of, like, main plot and, you know, like, oh, evil villain, you have to stop them. I, I wish better than every movie. edit out, like, the like the intros and edit out the, uh, the, the credits and stuff and just have it be, like, one seamless movie. <laughs> I think somebody actually did that on YouTube. Really? Oh, yeah. my God. I'm be surprised. The closest thing we've got to that is the Necros Park, but we'll speak about that later. Uh, but, um, yeah, um, me jumping in now. Uh, yeah, I did really like Alon's character. As much as I like Ash, I found it really cool we had, like, 
some specials here on the side, focusing on an entirely new anime character for once, and then it eventually tied in with Ash's stuff. We've never really seen anything like that before. Sure, we had, like, the Chronicles series, but that was, like, Ash's past companions. But th yeah. this was, like, an entirely new character. I, I, I love getting to getting invested in a new character that isn't just there for one episode, like a character of the day, you know? Um... So I found that concept really cool, and then, as John mentioned as well, um, just the whole Anakin Skywalker vibes as well. I really dig that, especially because, like, in 2016 is when I first ever watched all the Star Wars movies as well. Um, so just coming uh, off them and then going into Team Flare Rock, I started to really sense all of that as well. Um, yeah, just so many great moments, like you guys said, from Clembot, uh, the gym leaders come in, which was... Eh, Pretty much Avengers Endgame before Endgame even happened, if you think about it. Foreshadowed <laughs> um, the events. Exactly. Or everyone is here, like John also said. Um, I, I think I think better than anything was that, you know, since this arc was so different from the games, I was really afraid that they were going to lighten it up a lot. Because in the games, yeah. the whole thing is the ultimate weapon oh, and, like, match it's it so aside. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a really dark arc in the games. And so you thought, like, oh, they're redoing it in the anime because they don't want it to be that dark. But no, it's, like, equally dark in the anime, even though it's an entirely different thing. So that yeah. was much appreciated. Yeah. We had Ash get electrocuted in that one scene, which was censored in the dub, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it was oh, so crazy seeing something like that in the anime back then. We did get some stuff here and there in Sun and Moon, but that was like the first time, in my opinion, we got to see proper dark stuff in the anime, and it was it was just a spectacle to see, to be honest. Um, and then you know, Lysander, he he's definitely dead after that. Uh, fucking what's it called, Core Enforcer? <laughs> oh, he literally, he literally oh, dies. Body yeah. yeah. kills. Mm. Fucking Bonnie of all the I think there's a scene yeah, afterward with uh, with Diantha and Steven where they're like, "Oh, what happened to uh, to Lysander?" It's like, ah, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Devin. It's crazy. Uh, they should just say that he's dead. Like, I mean, honestly, we had all this other stuff. It's like true. I feel like that was just kind of like I don't know. We Actually, can say the scene... robot is dead, but we can't say Lysander's dead. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Arc was already kind of dark, anyways. I feel like doing that is just you know reminding you, oh, it's just a kid show. Like he's just gone. He just he's just we don't know. Well, <laughs> like, he literally died. <laughs> he mm. teleported. <laughs> what you call it as well? Um, I just remembered as much as Clembot's scene was emotional as well. I, even though this isn't a part of the arc, I just hate how they brought him back, though, because it kind of ruins looking back at it. Oh, now. no, they... It defeats the purpose of the second That one. nullified everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the time, it was emotional. When I look back now, it's just like, well, he comes back, so... <sighs> and that's one disappointing factor I can think of regarding the arc, at least. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Might as well, since we're talking about disappointing stuff, and since you brought up the, Clem the Clembot stuff, the fact that they brought go. the vines again... At the end, oh, even though they wrapped oh everything up perfectly, god. there was no point oh, to this end. Oh my god. I, yeah. I don't understand how XY had such... Okay, XYZ is very inconsistent. That's the word I would use to describe the entire thing, right? Because, totally. yeah. I mean, it starts so good with that one flare episode where, like, you know, you see... You get the tease of Ash and Alon, and then, you know, it's like Ash and Sawyer's in that episode. That episode is really good. And then you hit this rough patch of, like, really, really bad filler. And then you get this yeah. nice arc of, like, the Greninja training arc, and it all culminates in the woods when he, like, masters mm -hmm. them on. It's like, oh, this is awesome. And then you get a really, really rushed and underwhelming leap. <laughs> and then you get this amazing villain arc. And then you get this really, really bad conclusion. Oh. Where they just get everybody yeah. 
literally, oh, you described it so perfectly. As much as X and Y was so hype to me back in the day, I overlooked a lot of this stuff because I was a hype. Kind of. Well, I, I don't think X Y had a lot of these well, problems. Well, X Y Z specifically. Yeah, it was just an X Y Z. It was like yeah, because you know, like, juggles too much stuff. I I dislike a lot of the filler in the X Y Z season specifically. The fucking key episode. What was that? And the chestnut <laughs> in a fuck. Oh, I'm getting just the Chestnut and Cooladin in the same season. Bro, like they said, fuck the chessman line, bro. Just yeah, give yeah. them the shittiest fillers, bro. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, the fines towards the end. Oh my god, literally. Terrible. It's Terrible. so dumb because you literally see the one Zygarde. Mm. Yeah, like you see Zygarde eliminate all the vines. It's like, okay, we've got it all taken care of. All of a sudden, they're back, and it's like, we cannot see it. Oh, Greninja, you're the only one with your Ash Greninja form, even though Ash is fucking gone and he can't use the Ash Greninja form anymore. So, what the fuck is the point? Oh my god, I'm gonna stop before I get know. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes you realize. I know how I like, feel with Jim. Yeah. Oh, fuck. They just didn't want an Oak Slab. That's it. Yeah. They listen, it was, a, listen it. it was a lot well, LL situation. No matter what they would have done. People would have scrutinized the hell out of it just because of that form. Oh, of course. Man. Rewrite XY, make Greninja die during the flare off. <laughs> 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 Obliterated. Oh my god. Because it's, it's such a, a touching farewell for Squishy mm. 2, and then it's like, oh wait, just kidding, here he is again. Yeah, he comes back. It was like, yeah. why did you do that? And they play the theme, the, the, the Squishy theme in the yeah. background yeah. to try to get the emotion running again it's like no you're fucking yeah. here to steal greninja it's it's not even it's not even just like a bad conclusion for greninja it's a bad conclusion for ironically Steve. that was the az thing uh, um uh. we touched upon this briefly well polly did and uh, that's uh you know the lullaby bonnie and zygod did i just want to like talk about the relationship in general i, I it was one of the most wholesome things i've ever seen in the anime just bonnie and yes. squishy's relationship yes. and mm -hmm. you know bonnie in that two-parter where they were in this cave Ooh. and then Squishy ran away. Yeah, that was kind of emotional to me as well, to be honest, uh, because of the bond we got to see them grow. Um, mm. But I think we have definitely talked enough about the Team Flare Rock now. Uh, according to OBS, this is the one we talked most about. <laughs> but it makes wow. sense, because I think it probably was. Damn, you and my range didn't do it. I, I feel like we missed a couple of things. Let's get Tyrone in here. But yeah, I think I think we could all agree it was one of our favorite arcs we'll be speaking about today. But it's time to move on to Sun and Moon, though, and we'll start uh -oh. with the... Um... Yeah! Hello, yeah. <laughs> we'll start with the uh, Nebi arc, where that's where the game stuff started to come into the anime. So, right. yeah, the anime did it quite different, uh, kind of, in the Nebi arc. So, obviously, Ash gets Nebi instead of Lily. Lily's just kind of there at time to time. But they still focused on her relationship with her mother, which her mother isn't actually a psychopath now. She is... Uh, very caring, actually, just can't be there for Lily because of how busy she is. Um, and then, you know, whole, Lily's whole trauma gets pointed as, oh my god, I'm just remembering everything now. Um, yeah, uh, trauma gets brought up in that arc. <laughs> what happened to her? She overcomes it. She becomes the happiest she's ever been, which is one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen from the Pokemon anime. Her regaining the ability to touch Pokemon she mourned for for such a long time. And then... After, in that same episode, actually, the same alien Pokemon that made her suffer that trauma came back because of her birth and then stole her or kidnapped her mother. And then that, that's where we get the whole Mother Beast stuff. Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, before I rant on about all of this, I just want to give, you know, a basic story there for everyone. Uh, who, who wants to speak about this first? 
Are you going to boot me out of the call if I say I was slightly disappointed? Yeah, I'm no longer yeah, friends with you. No, I'm joking. Go ahead. Calm there down. we go. No, I just, I just love the plot in the game so much. I like that she was a psychopath. Oh, I do she's too. More evil. And, and I, I just feel like they, they kind of watered it down um, a lot because, what, because it's uh, supposed to be a slice of life series, I guess? Yeah. Um, I also didn't like how they made, um, this is, and this is obviously past this arc, but they made um, Faba into, like, uh, comic relief. When, like, it's like you had that whole scene of Ash going to, like, beat him up, and, like, he actually seemed pretty evil, yeah, and then all, and then, and then, like, a couple seasons later, he's, like, fanboying over, uh, the Master Royale, and, and it, it, it's, it's just, I mean, it's pretty funny, it was funny, but I guess for a villain arc, it was kind of, like, jarring, like, that whole uh, thing. Yeah. I can, I can at least admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, but I thought it was it was pretty it was pretty solid. Um, well, he may have to put both of us out on the call. I'm not gonna say I disliked oh, no. it, um, <laughs> but I, I I've never known what to think of this arc. Right? I've always been kind of indifferent towards it hmm. because while it is very very similar to what we get in the games with you know the the mother beast uh, Lusamine and having to go to ultra space and going to the the altar of the sun and all that stuff, right? It's it, that way it's all very similar to the games but like like ben uh, mentioned earlier there's these weird little rewrites like you know lucimine's not crazy guzma's not here yet there's there's <laughs> little there's little stuff that's different right and right. i could never i could never decide if it was for better or worse though cuz i was like there's things i like about it better in the games there's things i like about it better in the anime <laughs> to me to me i've always just kind of been like okay this arc was good it existed <laughs> I mean, so, damn. Yeah. the thing with that is like, I feel like I was the same way when it first came out. I mean, it's partially because I hated Sun and Moon. I, I still haven't become a full Sun and Moon fan by then, but still, it's the fact I feel like I was also thrown off when it first happened because it's like, what? Like, we're so used to like the evil team arcs and the big plot of the games to happen near the end, but it happened like literally like maybe the first third of the series. So it was yeah, like, what yeah. the heck? It was so weird. But then I think what makes it better is like, one, I feel like they did that because. The Nebi arc came out literally around the same time Ultra Sun and Moon came out. So it was like they were kind of saving the Ultra Sun and Moon story as like the big thing later on. Mm. So like I feel like if you look at it in the perspective of as the Nebi arc is more to focus and develop Lily and also as set up for the Necrozma arc. Because right after oh, that is when we get Poipole yeah. and the Ultra Guardians. Then it's definitely a lot better. But as a standalone thing, it, it is a little like it's a weird place placement but then like i guess if you look at it as the nebby arc and ultra necrozma stuff as one whole story it's actually not that bad i actually enjoyed a lot more in that aspect yeah honestly yeah. kukui and burnett are my favorite part of the arc if i'm being totally honest oh yeah they were awesome too i knew zach was gonna say that as well because of recent events <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i can understand where you guys are coming from though because even on twitter like even actual sort of moon stands like myself as well they are kind of they, they look at the Nebiarch and they just say, oh, it's decent. The only reason why it's, like, so special to me personally is obviously because Lily is one of my favorite characters. So getting to see her whole story play out there, you know, um, touched me in a way, uh, in a, such a beautiful way. Um, but, like, even I can admit when it comes to, like, the Ultra Space stuff, uh, I did want to see Lucimine as kind of crazy... But I do kind of like anime self a little bit more. But it's specifically about like the Mother Beast stuff. 
I don't like how, like, in the first episode, it was all dedicated to battling one of the mons one at a time with one of the characters. That was just a whole episode. It, it, it That was kind of boring to me. And then um, we finally get the meat of it in the uh, conclusion episode, which Ash has the peak Ash MZ finally uh, come on his wrist. And that was cool and all. At the time, that was also very confusing, though. Uh, I mean, we do later find out how that happened and all of that, but... Um, yeah, in terms of, like, climaxes and compared to the game story, it definitely is just decent. It's nothing as special as, like, ha later stuff yeah. with the Necros Maroc or other game adaptation stories we've gone over so far. It, it was just decent. The only it, reason It's I almost like a so mini-boss, like a checkpoint. Yeah, yeah, almost. pretty much, yeah. The only reason I loved this so much is just pretty much because of Lily. Um, but yeah. the setup, it was definitely... I feel like it was a really good setup for the Necros Maroc, though, because that's all they needed. They just needed that arc, you know, some purple episodes here and there, and that's it. And then, boom, we jumped right into Necros Maroc, so I thought that was a good setup for that, at least. Well, like Zach said, I think what was jarring about it for a lot of us was how early it came in the series, because, like, mm. we're used to the, it always happening at the end, like, especially in Best Wishes and XY, where, like, Team Plasma and Team Flare didn't even show up until, like, the very last part of the series, basically. So, it was definitely strange for it coming early, but uh, I think it actually worked out, because we <laughs> did get uh... some later arcs that worked out, like Zach said, and in addition to that, we also... Um, we also kind of got to cap off Lily's development here because I think it would have gotten very repetitive if Lily's whole thing about, you know, she can't touch Pokemon, like kept yeah. going and coming and going the for the series. entire series. Yeah, so I think it's yeah, better. Yeah, that would have been annoying. Here. And they just said, okay, that's it for Lily. Let's focus on some other characters going forward. So in that retrospect, I think that it was a good decision to have it so early in the series. Hmm. Yeah. I just wish... I know this isn't related to the arc. I just wish Lily did get an end goal, though, because they kind of focused on family issues again. She wants to find her father. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see her, like, have a trainer goal, though, but they never... Yeah, touched that's her. the main yeah. issue, is that she kind of gets left out, like, for the next, I don't know, 50-ish episodes of Sun and Moon. She just kind of becomes more of a background character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, she of course, in Season 3, she did have a Z-Ring... Uh, got in the top 16 and all of that, but like that just felt like good build up to get a goal, but it still doesn't happen, and it's ah, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of disappointing. And now, like the now build up was there, but there was no payoff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now we're just left to assume that like all the mon stuff is eventually going to happen in journeys, but I don't know if it will. So <laughs> we'll we'll just have to wait and see on that one. I'm hoping they do. With with that cameo in journeys, I'm I'm hopeful. But at the same time, we know what journeys can be like so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's 10 other things they need to address yeah but um but hey raf i know how you feel about episode 49 and 50 do you want to speak about that the part of the name uh -oh. yeah i think you know just the whole concept of lily finally understanding what happened with silvery and you know her objective to later on now feel comfortable to touch pokemon and interact with them again and I remember you talking to me about this and us both of us meeting up and having a conversation about it before, but it just felt like a massive weight lifted off her own shoulders compared to ours as well. Seeing her get to that stage from the very first interaction, how she didn't want to see Pokemon. We saw this very shy character and later on push over to her just being with a whole bunch of Pokemon. feeling Finding comfortable courage. Again. It was just, yeah, proper encouragement. It was just really, really wholesome. Well, all right, yeah. Richie, what do you got to say about this arc? 
Uh, well, first of all, um, I think this was probably very closely, as far as we can get to the definition of game adaptation to the anime. Although they did provide like a few, I guess you could call them twists. Although to be fair, um, when you're using the word twist, you're kind of like thrown in there. The whole, oh, I wasn't expecting this. So it kind of was a twist. But I guess, uh, I guess you can say it was a little bit different. But they still, um, very closely, I, I might add, um, for, you know, adapted, you know, the story from the games and all that stuff into the anime. Um, I do agree, um, not not to go too off topic, but I do agree with the fact of, you know, the whole Lily can't touch Pokemon arc. I felt like it would have been very, very repetitive if, for whatever reason, they decided to keep that going. So I'm kind of glad that they finally knew, hey, this is the right moment to stop it. We should mm. put it right, right then and there in, that, in this episode or whenever episode it was. Um, but as far as the Wusume stuff is concerned, and the reason I say that is because people were very conflicted on how Wusume should have been handled. And I and I say this not when the original Sun and Moon games were out, but I'm saying when Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon came out because that was actually a debate topic I noticed in the community where people were like, oh, Wusume should have been on... As far as the anime, oh, she should have been the one from Sun and Moon. Oh, no, she should have been the one from Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. And honestly, I feel like, not to not to fully take away from, you know, John's take, but I was kind of neutral on that idea. Like, it didn't really matter to me, per se, if she was going to be like this crazy psycho bitch from Sun and Moon, or if she was going to be like this Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon thing where she was sort of uh, neutralized a bit. Um because what mattered to me most especially was how are they going to handle, um, how are they going to handle the other things like the whole, you know, Lily Gladiant thing. How are they going to handle the Necrozma stuff? Which, what I noticed is that right after the whole Nebi arc, that was kind of like what I like to call the great drop off, um, because that was where a lot of people were just like, "Great, the Nebi arc is over. What's next?" And then they see, "Oh, baseball episode. Fuck," <laughs> you know. So, mm. and and that's no disrespect to Sun and Moon. I mean. Because obviously there, were, it took a lot of time for people to adjust to it. But to me, as far as the evil arc is concerned, if you want to call it evil, um, I feel like Faba for for those few episodes kind of held up true to that nature, while everyone else was just kind of like, eh, they weren't necessary. They weren't necessary evil. They were just more so like, hey, we're here, we're part of this. Uh, but we didn't recognize how evil, evilish fame from Faba until later, which was basically loosening if you think about it. Um, so. I do agree with the sentiment, and this will be my last comment. I do agree with the sentiment that it was a very, not necessarily a mixed bag, but it's kind of hard to give an opinion about about this um, arc because I'm not sure what to make of it. That's like I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not sure whatever to call it. Good, bad. It's just I, I, I like. I don't know. Like I wish I could give an opinion about that, but I just don't know where I where I would put this or what I think about it personally. So, all right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's completely understandable. Again, I've definitely seen people on Twitter who definitely don't know where to stand on this. Or if they do, they'll just call it decent and move on at the end of the day because there's been better stuff within the Sun and Moon series. Um, one thing people do call better, it, though, is the Necrozma arc. Um, Let's go. This is the Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon's adaptation, but it's done in a very unique way, in my opinion. I don't know about you, PokePod guys. We'll come to you in a second. But um, instead of, like... Well, Necrozma still does attack people within this arc, but the whole point of why it's angry is because it wants to receive its true form once again and be a good guy because it saved Poipo's world 
um, when it was an alternate cruise, but it lost its form. It woke up angry one day trying to regain light, but all of Alola decided to come together to give the Z power to Necrozma, much like how Necrozma and the Light Trio, uh, that being uh, Sigalio and Lunana, created Alola using their light as well. Uh, so yeah, literally just all of Alola gave their light to Necrozma, it regained its true form, and then the crisis was over, Necrozma was no longer attacking. And I personally really enjoyed that, simply because I feel like this was the perfect arc in terms of Sun and Moon's themes, of that being caring and friendship and sharing and receiving and all of that, to display those themes. Because you're literally giving back to Necrozma, the one who created Alola. And, you know, Ash has come to love Alola as well, so he wants to protect Alola like everybody else here as well. Um, it, it was just so wholesome to me in that sense, but there, there, there definitely was still some cons there, much like, well, Poipo's release was emotional, but it was kind of rushed, I'll let Zach get into that, because I know he has opinions on that, um, and then there's Team Rocket, which I'm sure we'll go over as well, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, Zach, you take over with Poipo's release, and then we'll go to everyone Ooh, else. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. All right, all right, so, when it comes to Poipo, I love the whole arc that it went through, like, so it sucks that it's not really part of the series for that long, but I feel like it plays an important part in the Necrozma arc, because obviously, you know, it was trying to search for a different world with light that'll help his... But it also learns about, you know, friendship and the themes of Alola and, and, and family and all of that. It's great. It's just, I feel like that last episode with the Necrozma arc was so perfect when it comes to wrapping up the whole thing with Necrozma. But then it feels like the release of Poipo was just kind of tacked on at the end. And it feels extremely rushed. And like the excuses Lusamine is like, oh guys, the Ultra Wormhole's closing. You gotta leave quickly. And Poipo's like, wait, but I gotta stay, bro. So it's like such a rushed ending. But then what kind of ruins it also is like... Bro, they're literally with Solgaleo and Lunala who can create ultra wormholes. Like, they couldn't just take their time <laughs> to have a better goodbye. No, they gotta say, we, we gotta go because it's closing. I hate it so much. And I feel like, obviously, the, the episode prior kind of set up that Poipo was kind of gonna stay anyways because it came from this world that was in trouble. And now that everything's okay, obviously, you would think, okay, it makes sense that it's gonna leave. But it just feels so rushed and out of nowhere. Like, it, they don't really have that much. Like, yeah, sure, they have the flashback and they play, like, the theme song, which was a cool twist. Like, it was the, the, the theme song is Poipo's flashback, but it's still, like, it's it's extremely rushed, and it kind of, like, cheapens the ending of a really awesome arc, in my opinion. Completely understandable. Um, yeah. What are you, PokePod guys, gonna say? Because I don't think I've ever heard your opinion on the Necrozma arc minus Kevin, I guess. Well, I, uh, despite this arc being newer than the other one, which was the, the Nebby arc, I guess the first one, uh... Mm -hmm. I don't remember as much about this one, truthfully. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do. I do remember. Uh, I liked the Matori Matrix a lot. I thought that they were oh, uh, I interesting Oh, too. That was yeah, an interesting twist. Because <laughs> like it was, it was set up early. Oh, I know someone like it. Where they showed that uh, Giovanni knew about the um, Crossma. So first, I was thinking, oh, maybe Giovanni will come, and he didn't come, which was a bit disappointing. Yeah, that but was disappointing as well. Matori got to do something, and we got that one guy with the Mega Agron, which I thought was just awesome because we didn't see a lot of Mega Evolution in moves. Like when it did show up, it was like, oh. That's cool. It's not forgotten about, and Ash knows what Mega Evolution is, which is also very cool. Uh, oh, oh yeah, and Kuku, we got to battle him with Braviary, I think. Which that was, was the best part of the Matoi yeah. Matrix involvement, to be honest. Love, yeah. love any time the Professor Kuku we get some spotlight because he's just my favorite character from the anime in general. I mean, he's so good. Um, but 
Uh, going back to what Ben said, I definitely agree that the strongest part of this arc was uh, the whole Manalo thing, like the whole the themes of friendship and giving in Alola and all that. Um, again, like the rest, I don't remember a ton about, but I, I do remember like them giving the light back to Necrozma and enjoying that in the Matori Matrix. So I only remember positive things. I don't remember a bunch of negative things. Um, so I guess that's it for me. All right, fair enough. Uh, we'll go with you next, Polly, because I'm very intrigued to hear yours, actually, because you sighed at Team, Rock- Team Rocket uh, being the Well, Team I don't know if you um... saw in the uh, the chat, but I actually also don't remember too much about this. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Oh, get out of here. Um, but that part I actually didn't... Because I'm I'm, I'm biased towards the, the old Rockets. It's like, I don't know, just, Matori is boring to me, and they brought back all these randos that's part of her team. I mean, I thought it was interesting, but, like... So, like, uh... what, what I will say is, like, I, I, I kind of agree with Polly. Maybe not to the extent that she she feels, because, you know, she obviously she's very attached to Butch and Cassidy. Um, <laughs> but it's just the fact that I don't... I. So, it's weird. It's like, I like it, but I don't like it. It's cool because, for one, Matori's kind of been just background character, just, like, Giovanni's, like freaking i don't know secretary assistant extra person next to him since um the end of diamond and pearl but i liked how sudden when they kind of gave her more character and she's actually involved yeah. i just don't like that this kind of didn't lead to anything because like uh, john you mentioned how they had the tease with giovanni and like i thought he was going to get involved or i thought this was at least building up to something rainbow rocket i remember your video yeah i i, I thought it was like rainbow rocket or something but then i yeah. i thought that like yeah. at the very least okay matoy matrix like involvement in the necrosma arc was a little random but i thought this was set up for something that was going to happen later but it just it nothing happened i guess the build-up with giovanni was this but they don't really do anything it, it's so weird it's like they're ah uh, it's weird i don't know so they have the whole thing with necrosma they're trying to stop it but also save it and when they go to its world but then you also have team rocket trying to steal it at the same time and it just acts, adds this extra variable for no reason and to me it just feels like an excuse to try to like have professor kukui not part of the main gang again because with the with the nebby arc oh he had to save burnett and oh shit he missed the ultra wormhole now he's got to wait outside oh oh my god team rocket's out again all right, um, I'm gonna stay back. You kids go to the other world and 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 I'll handle this. It was oh, cool. Yeah. Like I love Kukui's moment, but it's just like, did this really need to be here? Like the arc is about Necrozma. Why is Team Rocket here? And like the main trio, Jesse, James, and Meowth, don't even aren't even involved with this. Like we lose that part of it as well. Like it's always cool seeing Team Rocket go at it against their own team members, but here yeah. it's like they were sleepy because you know the light of Alola yeah. was being lost. And like they're just not involved at all. So it's oh, like, why the hell me, are they here? You just remind me of one of my favorite scenes where uh, it's in the first episode where Kukui comes in and he's wearing a shirt and Ash is like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing oh, a funny yeah. shirt. Yeah, that, was, that was a really <laughs> funny scene, but uh, you mentioned that. It's like, wow, is Jesse and James even in this arc? I don't remember them at all. Yeah, um, so like, like they're I, at the end. Beware help makes them like put here. their hands and share their energy as well, but they're pretty much just mm-hmm. not there. Like the Matori Matrix are just kind of boring. Like it, what was the point? I don't know, man. It, they just feel random. They feel like yeah. an afterthought. Like I, I can we get need that a fill up time here. Expecting uh, Rainbow Rockets to come in, and like I, what I thought uh, from the beginning, when you know Team Rocket was sent to Alola and they had to leave behind their Kalos Pokemon, and they made their own base in Alola and all that other stuff. I thought what they were trying to do was they were trying to redo Best Wishes Team Rocket, but in a way that would please more people. So like they were still comedic. They still kept like their original exactly. Character. But well, they just didn't so 
in that respect, yeah. I can definitely see why it's disappointing because you don't get much out of Giovanni or much out of Jesse James and Meowth. It just kind of goes to Matori randomly. But, you know, it is nice to see her get something to do. Hmm. Team Rocket, do love a Lola. I do like that so much. But regardless of that, um, I think the reason the other Team Rocket members are in this arc is definitely because they wanted to add a little bit more action. Sure, uh, because if you think about it, episode 88, the second part of the four-part arc, that's just pretty much all dedicated to action only. That's where the battle Duskwings, Necrozma, uh, Duskmane, Necrozma as well. Um, and then Team Rocket tried to steal it. And then in the next episode, we have that Mega Evolution battle as well. I feel like it was just there to give more action because most of the thing they wanted to do with this arc was tell a story instead of provide that much action. So, yeah, I feel like that's the only reason, uh, reason Team Rocket that yeah, kind of got really the whole episode that was just nothing but like exposition, like right after yeah. that. Yeah, that's the <laughs> so next that one, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I feel like that's why they were added there. But still, it was kind of underwhelming because they added this thing, like Zach said, where all the adults, for some reason, I can't remember why, to be honest, but they, for some reason, feel weak because of the... And it was never really explained. Yeah. It's not explained at all. It's literally just like, oh, I guess it just doesn't affect Pokemon and kids. All right, that's it. Like, that's literally it. It was like, what the fuck? Like, that's, that's so a random. Weird, that's a weird explanation. I, I, I would just assume that it's because, like, oh, kids have this pure heart energy and they just, <laughs> you know, they having so much fun in Alola and the adults are old and cynical and they need the sun to feel good, so... I think yeah. I just felt like it was kind of a, a little bit of a downgrade from the Flare, flare arc, even though the two oh, series are very, very worry. different. Yeah. If, yeah. I, if I was going to compare it to... The Team Flare arc is Paul, and the Sun and Moon arcs are Trip. Alright, I wouldn't go that. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, I don't know about that. You, not, you might get kicked out for that I one. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Oak. We said it like Gary Oak. I mean, yeah, in terms of, like, the other game oh. adaptation stories, they de uh, Team Flare, definitely the better one, that 100%. But for what, the best one. But for what Sun and Moon wants to be with its themes and everything, I feel like this arc was perfect for the Sun and Moon series. Still has negatives there, sure, but for what Sun and Moon wants to be, it's nice. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's, it's hard to really, like rate these on the same scale as the other arcs we talked about because like they're not really villain arcs like i i think of the nebby arc and i think that more is like the the lily development arc mm. and ash uh, getting some something important with nebby here and then i think of this one it's just like the general alola arc or necrozma being there you know i don't think of this as the matori matrix arc or i don't think of the other one as the, <laughs> uh, the lusamine arc you know i so I guess the villains don't really define these arcs, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's just some kind of other thing. Um, Richie, anything you want to say? I feel I think you said you wanted to say something. Uh, for now. I'm just waiting in anticipation for the very next one. Oh, gush about Guzma right now. Jeez. Oh my god. Alright, hold on. First one, let me move this nice bowl of mac and cheese over. Uh-oh, <laughs> he's getting ready. Alright, alright. I mean, it is his favorite. Alright, second, first off, um... I I was kind of well puzzled I should say as to why they kind of waited until and this is no disrespect but I, I I'm still kind of curious as to why they kind of waited until near the end of the, the series literally within the last stretch to then say oh yeah by the way let's just throw Guzman in there and I'm like it's nice we can finally see him um, but to me it's like uh, the, the, because at the time I didn't know what his role would be in the league and all that stuff 
Um, so I was like, wait a minute, why are they waiting for this time to now introduce him? Um, I like the fact that his backstory, they don't directly tell you. I mean, obviously, because some of the stuff you can, like, for example, abuse and stuff, like, you know, you can't do that. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of did, but it, it was, like, watered down in a way. But the way that they kind of handled with his battle with Ash, um, him being surprised by, oh, you know, uh, Glissopod's ability, where if it gets to a certain HP, it's just, you know, exit out of the battle, which is emergency exit for, for the folks I don't know. Um, for him to be caught by surprise by that, and then just kind of like make an excuse on top of that, um, I think he was just definitely trying to cover um, his failures, which has been um, documented. Um, especially when we got that backstory where, you know, Kunkuli and I think Hala, if I said that name correctly, Hala? Yeah, Hala. Yeah. Um, where they were trying to get him on the right path, but Guzman was not having any of that shit. He was just like, you know, he just didn't believe in what that, he just didn't believe in the ideals, no pun intended, on the whole aspects of that path. So he just wanted to do what he thought was best, which was, you know, the more bad way of, the more bad approach. So I, I was never interested by the timing of his introduction, um, but I still, at the time, was kind of curious as to why they kind of waited. And then, obviously, when the whole league stuff come out and his involvement and stuff, I'm like, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because they kind of wanted to save him best for last because they think, oh, we could probably utilize him better during his last stretch. Um, so as far as his involvement in the league is concerned, um, I did not really expect him to just fucking plow through the competition the way that he did. I thought that maybe, you know, there would be like a few battles here and there where he kind of struggled. Well, before we get to Ash anyway. Um, but no, he just completely annihilated them. Like he annihilated that I, that uh, trainer. I forgot his name, but he came from Kalos. So oh, there there's go. your there's so there's your continuity, um, and the disrespect, the disrespect in the Lana battle, like that was fucking brutal. Mm. That was just that was really really brutal. And here comes and, and here comes one of the most um, one of the most questionable decisions that I that I ever saw. And no, I'm not saying this oh because I'm a Guzma fan. I'm questioning it based off of like um, the the significance of what he wanted to do and the plot and all that stuff. So let me explain. So his whole point with the league is oh I want if I win the league I'm going to take it over and destroy it, which is basically you know destroying Kukui's dream, which is what he wanted to do because Awoa never had a league in the anime, so he wanted to do it um, for them. Well, you can thank Ash um, and Time Trauma for that, but regardless, it's still something he wanted to do. And Guzman was not having any of that shit. He was just like, I'm going to come in and destroy it if I win. And for a while of it, it looked like he was going to because he was playing for the competition. No one could stop him. I mean, obviously, Ash probably would, but you would think that, oh, with the with the stakes at the line, with the plot points um, aligning and the characters, you know, playing for the competition... This seemed to be like the more ideal finals matchup, you would think. But no, that's not what they did. What they did was, we're going to put this in the semifinals and let that be the decider. Now, the reason I hate that is because I, f- because I feel like the circumstances of why Ash versus Guzman was important was more suited for finals. Because let's think about this for a moment. Let's say Ash versus Guzman was the finals, right? And let's say, you know, they both make it there. Mm. Guzman literally would have been one win away from accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish. And Ash was would then be considered the last line of defense to uphold the the importance and the dream of Kukui's, you know, of having the Lola League. So for so for them to say, all right, let's just put in the semifinals, 
they kind of neglected a lot of the buildup from what Guzman wanted to accomplish and the whole um, the whole what if about Ash being the last line of a level defense as far as like the league is concerned. So I was very disappointed on, in not only how they handled that, but just kind of how um, during that semifinals, they kind of just fucked with him a bit. Because if you know, there was a whole funny thing where he sw- where Galicipod's emergency exit ends up fucking up and it got, um, I forgot who it was. Scizor gets killed. Scizor, my man took an L. My man was had no business being there and he just took the L from the fire blast. Like, this is really unfortunate. Um, the positive, the positive, the positives I do want to say though, is just where near the end, where he kind of lo- ha- uh, lost his shit a bit, where he said, you know, his, one of his famous quotes, which is Guzman, what are you doing? And then it shows the camera zooming the back out. That, by the way, I don't know. I mean, they kind of just ruined it personally with the significance of the battle by putting it in the semifinals. If the same, it, had you put it in the finals, um, I feel like the battle would have been more significant and I felt like it would have been, um, a really nice way of ending, you know, his plot line because you know if you think about it, that was pretty much his last major appearance. Although technically, if you want to count the five seconds that he had in the final episode, but um, overall, I like Guzman as a character. Love the man. I'll stand him to the day I die. But the way that they kind of handled him in the league was uh, pretty stupid, and I still don't know why they thought that was a good idea. Now, granted, it didn't really change much, but. I feel like an Ash versus Guzma finals would have been a lot better than what we have gotten personally. But he's still my man, so you know what? Don't matter to me. Well, I, I see it both ways because originally I was fully on Richie's side, and I was I was thought like, man, Guzma definitely should have been the final smash. Would have been way higher stakes than Ash versus Gladion. But I can sort of understand why they did it the opposite way now because I think they wanted there to be more emphasis on ash winning his first league and less on ash just stop the bad guy like they kind of wanted those to be two separate things instead of a lump together in one so i again i feel like ash versus guzma in the finals would have been really cool but i i can see why they did it the other way hmm. I, oh no i mean i appreciate the other perspective i mean if that's if that if that was the reason then you know sure um and maybe I'm just used to the old ways, but and yes, I do agree with the fact that oh, it would have just been the generic um, Ash stops the evil man. But the reason why I think that would be better, again, mm-hmm. not to repeat my old points, is because you know that's kind of what it was going to. That's what it was aligning up to. I I understand that to be honest, because back when I uh, made theory videos back in the day, I legit thought because of the story they were building up with Guzma, that he would actually be the final person Ash battles in the league. I was confident that Ash would battle him last, and then, you know, it'll be a great... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It would show their differences quite well, because, you know, Ash loves all the themes of Lola, all the culture he's come to love, where Guzma wants to stray away from that culture, kind of. Um, but, yeah, in the end, he ended up going with Gladion, which I, I understand uh, John's point as well. It's because... Um, they, they wanted to put more emphasis on Ashwin and the league, but it's a Kuzma overall for me. Yeah, I feel like he was he was still done decent, but I feel like there definitely could have been more to him. Alrighty, so there's our thoughts on each of their game adaptation stories. Of course, we talked about the darkest day in KG stream. If uh, you're curious of what we said there, and of course, me, Zach, and Raph have made multiple videos on our channels about that as well. But uh, this was a fun discussion. Thank you for coming here, Pokepod crew. 
Well, thank, thank you for having, thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, of course, if you're still watching the crossover, the final uh, part of this crossover will be on Raf's channel tomorrow, where he'll be talking about Pokemon anime uh, sync pairs for Pokemon Masters, which I felt like was a very fun video. But uh, as always, if you did enjoy this podcast, then please be sure to consider leaving a like, a share, and if you're new here, a subscribe along with the bell icon to stay in loop with all things Pokemon anime related. And if you're listening on Spotify, just a simple like and share is good over there as well. Thank you for listening, everybody. This is the Annie Poke Bros and the Pokepod crew signing out. <laughs>